I want to talk to you today about returning to that thing called freedom in your life. Paul said it powerfully in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. This is from the message. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand and never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Look at somebody and tell them, one and done. You're to be free and you're never to go back into that kind of bondage. That's one thing to be told you're free. It's another thing to stand up and fight for it. To realize that God has given you this great gift and now you stand for it. The reason you must stand is because many Christians, although they're on their way to heaven, they still see too many manifestations of the curse in their life. We know because of Jesus, the blessing has been restored. He redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Look at somebody and tell them the curse has been lifted. The blessing has been restored. But we know in the real world that curse can creep into your life. If you don't stand against things like sin and sickness and bondage and addiction and hatred and wrath, if you don't stand against things that bring you into a place of bondage, they'll slip back into your life. You cannot simply say, I'm saved and everything's fine. I don't have to do anything else. No, having done all to stand, what do you do? You stand. And so I find people, they're born again, going to heaven. Great. That's wonderful. That's the most important thing of all. But how many know God just doesn't want us to be free in heaven? He wants us to be free now. He wants us to help other people find that freedom in Christ. And you can't do it when the curse is continually creeping back in your life. Many have experienced deliverance, and yet these bondages are trying to come back on them again. Look at somebody and say, the Lord wants you free. Totally free. 2 Corinthians 3.17 again says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Where His Spirit is, what can we expect? Freedom. freedom in every area of life. Not just that you're going to heaven, that's wonderful, but freedom in this life. Hebrews 12, 14 through 16 says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity, so that by His death He might break the power of Him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Notice that he came to break us free from all manner of bondage, including the very master fear, which is the fear of death. And not just the master fear, but every fear that might go underneath that. Look at somebody and say, people aren't afraid of heights. They're afraid of falling and dying. They're not afraid of snakes. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of the snake biting and dying. They're not afraid of water. They're afraid of what? Dying. You can see how every fear ties back to the master fear. But you know, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I mean, don't be stupid. Look at somebody say, don't be stupid. But don't live your life in bondage, any kind of bondage. Now, here's what God wants to get across to you today. He wants you to have freedom from every aspect of the curse. First of all, the control of the curse. You're supposed to be under the control and leadership of the Spirit of God, not something that came as a result of disobedience to the Scriptures and to the will and the Word of God. He does not want you having a life that's controlled by this thing. And yet a lot of Christians, technically born again, technically forgiven, live under complete bondage under the boot hill of the enemy. And that's not what God has designed for you or for me. You know what? He's supposed to be under our feet. We're not supposed to be under His feet. The second thing is the consequences of the curse. 
not just the compulsion, you know, and the tendency towards the things that are not right, but the consequences like death and destruction and eternal separation from God. Come on, say it. I thank God. I'm born again. But he didn't just die to get you born again. He died to set you free from everything that binds you. And third, he comes and he brings you deliverance from the consciousness of the curse. This is where people walk around nonstop with a sin mentality. Just because you sin, that does not define you as a sinner. The Bible says, according to the word of God, you are a saint. This freaks some people out. But you are a saint who sometimes chooses to sin. There's an enormous difference between a sinner who's not known the Lord and somebody who is saved who is a saint and yet chooses from time to time to sin. Look at somebody and smile. I know that's you sometimes. Yes, I love you anyway. Amen. (laughs) But they walk around without a righteousness mentality, not ever discovering who they really are. They walk around with a sin consciousness, and that's not God's will for you at all. Say it with me. I am a saint, saved by grace, given righteousness as a gift of God. Sometimes, though I'm a saint, I choose to sin. No, it just came on me and it just happened. No, that's not how it works. Before you got born again, you had the force of sin pushing you to sin. When you got born again, that force was replaced with righteousness. And that force is pushing you to do right. For a Christian to sin, you have to overcome the force of righteousness. And how does someone overcome the force of righteousness? It's very simple, with your will. There was nothing in the garden but the force of righteousness. And now in your life, there's nothing but the force of righteousness, but you still have a will. So he wants you to be set free from the control, the consequences, and the consciousness. He does not want you to be defeated. He does not want you to go around walking around in negativity and, you know, I'm always last. I'll never do anything. God will never accomplish anything in my life because, you know, I'm always the one that fails. No, that's not you. You're more than a conqueror. Come on, say, I am more than a conqueror. Say, not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror. And what I love about the the ministry of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus is he makes things so plain if we'll just have eyes to see and ears to hear. He does one of these things in John chapter 8 when he gives you the pathway to freedom in every area of life. Free from every remnant of the curse. Say every remnant of the curse. Now in this room, not everybody's going to be dealing with the same things. Some people in this room may be dealing with some kind of addiction or bondage or habit. Other people might be dealing with a lousy attitude. How many know in this room are some mouthy people? How many know there's some negative people? I mean, you stay out of the Word, you stay out of the presence of God, you're going to be negative. But some of you have a master's degree in negativity and you need to give that degree up. Amen. There are different things going on here, and he wants you to begin to seize this pathway to get victory in that area over your life. And here's the thing, I can't do it for you. Jesus left the pathway, we can preach the pathway, but you have to decide to employ the principles to get that freedom in that area of your life. He wants you to get free and stay free. Come on, shout it out. Get free free. 
and stay free. So go with me over to John chapter 8. And I'm going to start in verse 30 and just read this first and then give you these principles. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. That shouldn't surprise us because faith comes by what? Hearing. hearing and hearing by the word. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Notice that language. If you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will what? So what is it that sets us free? Fundamentally, truth. So why would the devil work so hard to try to lie to people and misguide people? Because it is the truth that sets people free. And if you and I bow to this society on matters of sexuality, on matters like abortion, if you and I bow and do away with the truth, then there is no deliverance for anyone. Somebody must hold the standard of truth in this nation. And that falls upon the church of Jesus Christ. And say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We're not condemning, we're not judging, we're not coming at people, we're simply saying there is a fundamental, absolute truth in the universe. And that's what sets you free. To the extent that you and I line up with that, that extent we will be free people. He goes on and says, they answered, I want you to underline that or mark that in your mind. They answered him. That's the key right there. We're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall not be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. If the Son sets you free, how? By His truth, then you will be free indeed. You will really be free. The implication in the Greek is, you'll be as free as I am. How many like to be as free as Jesus? Yes. That's impossible? No, all things are possible. You can be free in your mind, free in your emotions, free in your body. You can be free in the things of God. You can be free... Because he is the standard of everything. Love, righteousness, amen, faith. He's also the standard of freedom for you and for me. You'll be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me. How many of you loved to have been a fly on the wall while he was saying these things? Because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you've heard from your father. Now, how many you know you're either going to go with Jesus or you're going to get biting mad at listening to this? The pathway is very simple. Write this down. First of all, believe. Believe in the Son of God. The Bible says that there were Jews at that moment that believed in him even as he spoke. There is categorically no freedom without Jesus. Say it with me, no freedom. That's where it begins. But ironically, that's not where the story or the pathway ends. I want you to notice this. The scripture tells us that you must believe. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. 1 John 5, 12. 
But as I mentioned before, you and I just can't say you believe on Jesus. What do you believe about Jesus? You must believe that he is the one and only son of God. There is no variation here. There is no other way to come down. We must agree with scripture. That means we have to define what we're talking about. Because here's the bottom line. Muslims believe in Jesus. They believe he is a prophet. Do you see this? Hindus believe in Jesus. They believe he's an enlightened one and a good teacher. Are you listening today? Mormons believe in Jesus. While they may, you know, hint that they believe in the Son of God, they also teach that Satan is his spirit brother. Satan is a created being. Jesus is eternal. You've got to make sure we're talking about the same Jesus. Because this world has been polluted and the concept and nature and character of Jesus has been perverted. Jehovah's Witnesses believe in Jesus. According to their theology, he is God's first creation. Jesus is not God's first creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are eternal all the way back and all the way forward. Amen. You must understand what Jesus were actually talking about. Buddha believed in Jesus. Buddhists believe in Jesus. Understand this. Believe what? He's a wise teacher and enlightened. The Jews believed in Jesus at that time. They believed he was a teacher and a rabbi. But you have to go away from just these concepts to what the Bible says. And the Bible says he is the sinless, spotless son of God. The firstborn from the dead. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through him. There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. So if we're talking about believing on that one as the Son of God, then we're in good shape here. But ironically, just believing that He's the Son of God does not set you free. Churches are filled with people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God and they're as bound as a day is long. Number two, you have to continue. Continue in what? Continue in the Word. In verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Say hold to my teaching. That means to hold to, to value, to treasure. You must do or continue in the word that you know and have understood. Breakthroughs are reserved for disciples. Shout that out. Breakthroughs are reserved for disciples. For who? Write this down. A disciple is a self-disciplined learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because you have a membership card at a church. Amen. It's not because grandpa was a preacher. It's not because you live in a so-called Christian nation. You may have not realized it yet, but just like you know, nations of Northern Europe and Western Europe, you're now living in a post-Christian nation. Hear the heavenly thud there. 
That's okay. It just means we got a job to do. Amen. And God's not done with this nation. I said God's not done with this nation. It is, it has been, it will be a city set on a hill. Amen. And God will continue to use it for his purposes. But understand, if you think that this entire world, this entire country now believes the same way, then briefly turn on your news and then shut it off. Don't sit there and cycle 24 hours with this nonsense. People screaming about this nation, burn it to the ground, flying upside down flags, burning the flag. These people don't have a clue how great they've got it. They've never spent five seconds outside this nation to see how the rest of the world lives. They have no idea how blessed they really are living here. Perfection was never the standard. No one ever had an illusion that this nation was perfect. But I will tell you this, compare how fast this nation did away with slavery compared to its European counterparts. And by comparison, you begin to realize just how great this nation actually is. Not perfect. Amen. Don't criticize this nation or its flag or what it stands for, its values around me. You better duck. I'll repent later. Amen. We've got to understand that uh, it's not just believing, it's continuing. Staying on what he actually said. The massive Americans want to claim Jesus without holding to his word. That simply won't work. Starts with believing he's the son of God, but then you've got to continue. Say it, I'm a disciple, a self-discipline, learner, and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means I don't have to have somebody beg me to read the Bible. I don't have to have a preacher talk me into giving. I don't have to be guilted into saying something about my faith to somebody. I don't have to be pressured to serve. I don't have to be reminded that part of your duty as a believer is come to the house of God. Now, you'll find people that have been in church 40 years, 50 years, they still don't have the fundamental ability to be a true disciple, a self-disciplined learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely you don't expect to come to a church like this and hear a candy-coated sermon just to make you feel better. It's the truth that sets us free. And the truth is, we've got a lot of Americans that believe he's the son of God. Oh, yes, I believe. Are you a disciple? Now, if you define it as somebody who has a membership card or is part of a church, then that's fine. But if you want to define it biblically, are you a self-disciplined follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you are, then that is what a disciple is. Not to have to be begged to do this and guilt to do that and shame to do this and talked into that. I do it. Amen. I do it because I am a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing on him as the son of God, that's great. But now you have to continue. Continue. Say it, continue. When Timothy was struggling, Paul wrote to him and said, continue in the things that you have learned and seen in me. Say it with me, continue. That's where the victory is. We just continue to do the things that we have understood. Number three is receive. Receive personal revelation on that area. He said, then you'll know the truth and the truth will what? 
The truth will what? It will set you or it will make you free. When you continue in the word long enough, you'll have revelation spring from it in your hearts. Once that happens, you're on your way to freedom. But it requires you have revelation. I can talk all day long about the born again experience, but until you get revelation that you must be born again, nothing's going to happen. I could sit here and preach forever on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all know I could. Amen. 15 weeks on the baptism, another 20 weeks on the fruit, you know, another 30 on the gifts. We'd be here till Christmas next year. But a, a confessor as Jesus, as a son of God, who continues has now set themselves up to have revelation in whatever area they're troubled by or they need help in. That's where the victory comes from. I can't unzip your head and pour it in. You have to unzip your heart and let it in. And when that revelation comes, now you're in position to be set free by that truth. That's why Christians can't go around watering down the truth just so we don't offend people. It's revelation of that truth that's the key to our breakthrough and to their breakthrough. Say it, receive revelation. Societal consensus does not make something true. Let me say it again. An American society overall agreeing something's okay does not make it okay. Abraham and Lot separate. Abraham's doing his thing for the Lord. Lot comes over and lives in the middle of probably the most wicked culture and community of that time. And no, he didn't have to go around participating. We know from Scripture he was a heterosexual. But we also know that he became one of, of influence and leadership in that community. What I'm saying to you, if you were to take a poll, in Sodom and Gomorrah, they all would agreed that this is perfectly acceptable as a lifestyle. The entire society agreed it's okay. In the eyes of God, it was still not okay. So be very careful allowing society to influence you off the truth. People live that way long before I've been born and they'll live that way after I'm gone. But do you understand that does not mean that God sanctions it or says it's okay. And you are in no position to condemn anyone to hell. That's not your job. On the other hand, the church has got to stop condoning things so we don't look like bigots. Say it, I don't condemn and I don't condone. Come on, say it again. I do not condemn and I do not condone. But I'm telling you that just because all the society says this is okay and that we're going to do this and everybody should agree with us. You know what? I can't stop somebody from living a life they want to live. That it is their choice. That's part of a person being free. But that's just not what people want anymore. They want me as a New Testament believer to say it's okay and I can't do that. 
I will not force you to live as I live. I cannot tell you not to live a certain way in terms of your choices. You have that choice. But I am not going to condone what you've chosen to do. That doesn't make us bigots. That makes us truth tellers. Say it, I will not condemn, but I will not condone. You've got to understand this. If there's no truth, there's no freedom. Doesn't make any difference how free somebody thinks they are in a society that accepts things that are contrary to God's word. Shout it out. No truth. No freedom. freedom. Say, no truth. No freedom. Satan is a master at making human bondage look like freedom. Don't enter into it and don't facilitate it. Amen. Say it, I believe, I continue, and I receive revelation. Number four, silence. Silence your religion. How you respond to a piece of revelation makes the difference between you going free or staying in bondage. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants that have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? Write this down. If you want to know a great definition of religion, and I'm not talking the way that James would use the term. I'm talking about in our contemporary society. If you want to know what constitutes religion versus the truth, religion is any thought or belief that contradicts the truth. You've never been in bondage? How about that little uh, couple several hundred years in Egypt? How about the Babylonian exile? Ring a bell? How about the fact that as you're telling me you've never been in bondage to anyway, there's a Roman legion walking behind you? Never been in bondage to anyone. Instead of receiving freedom, they spit out their religion. Now here's what I've learned through the years, that no matter how far you and I go in faith, no matter how far we go in the things of the Word of God, occasionally the voice of religion is going to come screaming out of you. And you've got to silence that voice. You're believing God to heal you and religion begins to rise up. Well, maybe God gave this to you to teach you a lesson. You better tell that religion to shut up. You're believing God to get you out of debt or pay off a bill or bless you financially. And here comes the voice of religion. Well, God only wants to prosper certain people, not you. You better silence the voice of religion. When religion tells you, well, you must be born like that, you better silence that voice of religion. Whatever it is you're believing God for, that voice will rise up and try to contradict the word of God. And you've got to silence it or you don't receive a breakthrough. One of the saddest stories in scripture is where Jesus is ministering the word and healing. And the Bible says the power to heal the sick was present. Now, how do you know a lot of those Pharisees were old men? Everybody say old men. men. How many believe some of them had a medical need? But the power of God was present to heal the sick, but all they could be is offended at him. Amen. If you don't silence the religion, it will talk you out of your freedom. You and I have come too far to be in bondage again. Can I have an amen? Amen. All religion means is to religature. To refasten, to rebind. It will never produce liberty in your life. 
Your answer to that voice of religion will determine your degree of freedom. Amen. It's ironic that the pride movement uses the rainbow as a symbol. Anybody remind me what the rainbow really is all about? It's God's promise he would never again flood the earth. But it came on the heels of a judgment. Where man's every inclination, the Bible says, was towards evil. He never said he was not going to ever refine this earth again. It's just going to be with a different agent next time. And what is that? If using that symbol is not a poke in the eye of Almighty God, I don't know what is. And the whole concept of calling it pride. Pride goes before a fall. And a haughty spirit before what? Before destruction. You know, yeah, pride, it's, transfer, it's a transformational term. It transformed Lucifer to Satan. And it transformed one-third of the angels into demons. That's what pride will do for you. Make sure you're sticking with the word of God. I don't care if everybody around you and half your family starts beating to the same drum. Stay on the word of God. Come on, shout it out. Stay, stay, stay on the word of God. Now, do you know what I just told you the past five minutes is called hate speech in Canada? We still call it truth. No truth, what? No freedom. And so people that are buying into the lie and submitting themselves to the name calling and shutting up, you're not helping anybody. If you don't silence the voice of religion, it'll talk you out of freedom. Your answer will determine your degree of freedom. Amen. If pride is the badge of religion, and it is, humility is the badge of faith. Amen. Say it with me. Humility is the badge of faith. Uh, God opposes the proud. But he gives grace or favor to the humble. Say it would be, I believe. I continue. I receive. I silence. Turn to somebody and tell them, silence the voice of religion. It'll come up. Amen. And not only should you silence it in your own mind and heart, you should not ever let the devil use you to preach religion to other people. Amen. Be careful of repeating what somebody said about some other ministry or minister. Amen. Well, I just don't think they need that airplane. I just don't think they need that compound or that building. I just don't think this and I just don't think that. There must be something wrong with that. You know all that is is a religion come out of you? And certainly don't celebrate it when somebody else tries to use it. Well, you, you never know what God's going to do. Well, yeah, we kind of do because His Word says so. Amen. I mean, you know, God is the God of the Word, not of religion. I was talking to my sister one time many years ago, and she said she was sitting under the Word several days in a row. Then all of a sudden, the speaker got up there and said something, and from deep within her came this religious cry No, that's not right. I mean, you know, the mind has to be renewed. 
I don't care how old you are in the Lord, every once in a while, that little religious voice is going to come screaming up. Things that you were taught about the Lord, about His Word, they were an error from the time you were real little. Some of the things you got a hold of were true, and some of the things you got a hold of were what? That's why you and I must have the humility to have a teachable spirit. Say it, I have a teachable spirit. Come on, say it like you believe. I have a teachable, pliable, moldable spirit. No matter how old you get. You know, when I see an 80-something-year-old man at a conference who's speaking and then sits down to listen to others, and he's got his Bible out and his notebook out and a pen out as if he's learning something, that tells me something. Amen? Still teachable. Still wanting to learn. Or Roberts, one time he got on the phone, he said to Criffle and Taffy Dolly, he says, I'm flying down to Atlanta, I want to spend some time with you. And they're like, okay, invite yourself. <laughs> Come on down. And he said, well, you know, what do you want? He goes, well, I'll tell you when I get there. So he flew in, he's sitting in the living room, he takes off his shoes, sits down, cross-legged, takes out a pad and his Bible, and looks at Creflo and Taffy and says, I want you to teach me everything you've ever learned about faith. At that time, he was one-third his age. Look at somebody and tell them, stay teachable. Stay teachable. Stay humble. Number five, you need to expect. Expect to get freedom in that area. Jesus replied, Verily I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you're doing what you have heard from your father. Understand this. Satan is the father of religion and our expectation predicts our manifestation. Those that honor God's word can expect to go free. Say, I honor his word. Those who have no room for God's word are hostile to his word. They're also hostile to the church, and they're also hostile to the people that preach that word. Listen carefully. Don't ever let someone else's perception of you dictate your perception of you. You get your perception from the word of God and nowhere else. Say, I can have. What the Bible says, I can have. You see, once I, I shut down that voice of silence, I'm expecting to see that breakthrough in my life. You know, there's no bondage in this room that God can't break. There's nothing so strong that the Lord Jesus Christ cannot remove that from your life. He does all things well. All things are possible to him that believes. Amen. Say, I'm a believer. Say, I am a believer. I need to believe in the Bible, Jesus. Amen. I need to be a real disciple. Not a pretender or a poser, but a real disciple. No one has to beg me to do anything spiritual. Amen. I have revelation of what that word says. When religion comes and talks to me, I just say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not in the mood for that. I just shut that thing down and silence that stuff. Because it will hinder me. And then I will expect to be free. You have a physical bondage, expect to be free. You have a mental bondage, expect to be free. You have a financial bondage, expect to be free. You have something going on emotionally, expect to be free. God's not done with you. Come on, poke somebody and tell them, God is not done with you. Any expectors out there today? Say, I believe. I expect. 
God's doing it in my life. Amen. This is why we point over and over again in this church to the reality and the need for you to be a word person. When there's no truth, there is no freedom. And anybody tells us anything different is lying through their teeth. There's no way to get people free without the truth. Now, if you're Satan, you love what this nation is going through. You love the division. You love the so-called progressive agenda, which is not. There's nothing new under the sun, according to Ecclesiastes. He loves everything because he actually is keeping people in bondage. It's one thing to be in bondage. It's another thing to cheer for it. Well, we're not going to be in bondage and we're not going to cheer for it. Can I have an amen today? Amen. Amen. He wants you free. So I want you to stand to your feet and think about this.